Welcome, 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 all and sundry. Thank you for choosing to dedicate this time to listening to this week's episode of Sportcast. Your one-stop sport shots. Eh? Shit. I still can't get that right. But one of these days, international football is over for the year. We have the last international break. Club football is back. And a lot more has happened in the world of sport. But today's episode starts on a rather somber note. Uh, yesterday, the 25th of November, news traveled the world that the legend Diego Armando Maradona died of a heart failure, heart attack, uh, while he was still in hospital recovering from a surgery. He had an operation on a brain tube early in the month. He died at the age of 60, having blessed the world of sports with his magic and finesse and stupefying genius. His pretty much uh, preparation videos will never be forgotten. His World Cup winning moments for Argentina at the World Cup in 1986 will forever be etched in the minds of his countrymen. But for us, who got to be fans after he was done, he was so much more. He was this huge personality who one signified the past era or the first era of true international global football greats in him and Pele. And he was also the benchmark or the stepping stone from which Messi's career had to, I mean, comparisons with Messi's career started. Maradona will be missed, that's a given. It sucks to to realize that you won't see him at the sidelines of some other random Mexican team ever again. But that's 2020 for you. It's already taken away Kobe. Now Maradona. Let's just hope that this great, this God, the hand of God is in the hands of God. I know that's corny, but I'd be remiss if I didn't. Moving on swiftly to the national, the international break. We had our last international break of the year. Uh, this break, so the Euro 2020 qualifiers, the playoffs are finally played. And now we have a clear idea of which teams have qualified for the Euros next next year. Remember that the Euros are supposed to be held this year initially. They're supposed to be held as a rotation tournament to celebrate. I think it was a 30th edition of the Euros. However, Corona did the thing and it's been moved to next year. Most probably in the the Location is still tentative. There is a proposition for it to be in Russia or to be held in the different countries. That appears still not to be set. However, we are now aware of the teams that have qualified, as Ed Harlan mentioned. And there, there are no big surprises. All the groups seem evenly matched. In Group A, we have Turkey and Italy, Wales and Switzerland. Italy having a clear advantage in that group. However, Wales could surprise and so could Switzerland. Group B, we have Belgium, Denmark, Finland, and Russia. 
we all remember what the antics Russia were up to in the World Cup that they hosted and the surprises that that team pulled off. And given that they could have probable home advantage, home court advantage for this tournament, they're one to watch, but Belgium are the clear favourites. Them being the favourites for the whole tournament. Group C has Austria, Netherlands, North Macedonia, Ukraine. Uh, group D is the former World Cup finalists, Croatia, Czech Republic, England and Scotland. Poland, Sweden, Spain and Slovakia make up Group E. And Group F is finally made up by France, Germany, Portugal and Hungary. Clearly setting itself apart as the group of death with France and France also being finalists in this year's Nations League. Um, now Nations League is just a tournament that run concurrently with the Euro, with the Euros. Not concurrently, but same organization, just different formats. And the four finalists have also been the four groups uh, produced the finalists rather. And we have the finalists being France, Belgium. And I am forgetting the other two because, well, it's Nations League. Basically, uh, international football uh, was off to a good, I mean, was wrapped up nicely for the year. Uh, players got their debuts, Arling Ireland, captain scoring, scoring. Cruz touched it, then got banged for six after talking unnecessarily out of pocket about Aubameyang celebrations. And the Teranga Lions are the first team to qualify for AFCON. But since international football, and unless it's the World Cup or Kenya in the AFCON to let us down again, it's never really that important. So, <laughs> turning on swiftly to club football. Club football was back the first leg of, I mean, one match has been played for all the international European competitions and the reverse fixtures for UEFA have all been played. But before we get into that, we have to give props where props are due. And this time we're giving the props to Arling Bartaland. The boy has taken the world of football by storm, winning the Golden Boy Awards 2020 beating out a list of a list that seems to be the who's who of the future of football including the likes of Fati, Eduardo Camavinga, uh, Mason Greenwood just to name but a few. Uh, Arling Haaland has scored 91 goals, I mean has taken 91 shots and scored 70 goals in professional football. That stat is insane. More so considering the fact that this season alone he scored 10 in 8 in the Bundesliga, 6 in the past 2 matches, 4 in the match after immediately after being announced the golden boy. The boy is unstoppable and he's in the team with assets all around him to continue just feeding him passes with Julian Brandt, Michael Royce, Jadon Sancho, Rafael Guerrero, Jude Bellingham all playing sublime football with that Borussia setup, and he is truly, truly destined for greatness, if I do say so myself. He showed this class, as I have already mentioned, by scoring four against Hatta Berlin in the weekend, coming off, I mean, starting his scoring spree in the second half, scoring two in two minutes, then finishing off the other two with the wonder strike. 
before being subbed off for Yusufa Makoko. Now, listeners, this name, this name is one for the record books. This is one to keep a close eye on. I know I've already rattled off the likes of Kamavinga and Fatih and Greenwood and Haaland, but Yusufa Makoko, that's the one to watch. The boy turned 16 on November 20th and started on the got to play his first Bundesliga match, albeit for four minutes, at 16 years old and two days. The more surprising fact is that the whole Borussia setup was eagerly waiting for his 16th birthday just to get him going. So just imagine what this boy can do. He has scored 180 goals and 140 appearances for the under-16 youth setup, despite only being 14. He is Cameroonian-born, though he stand out for the Germany under-16 team. But if Alan Hunter is destined for greatness, then Yusufa Makoko is, well, greatness personified. I know that is a lot to put on to a name that, well, most football fans would not have, not have heard, but a few years ago, that's what they were saying about Messi. And even further back, that's what they were saying about Maradona. So you never know. And yeah. Sticking with Germany, uh, Bayern Munich came back to came back from the international break, and it appears the curse of the curse of the internationals befell them. They ended up drawing one-one, dropping points at home to the Bremen, if my memory serves me correct. This curse would also befall Real Madrid, who drew. Uh, Barcelona, who lost to Atletico Madrid for the first time in 10 years, I think, and who lost to Atletico Madrid at home for the first time in 10 years. It also befell Arsenal, but let's be honest, for Arsenal, is it really just the cast or are they really quite shit? <laughs> for those not familiar with this, there's a phenomenon that goes around that states that most clubs face struggles the match after that, I mean the first match day after the international break, or teams that are on a hot streak, the streak ends the first match of the international break mainly due to the lethargy that comes as a result of all the players having to traverse the world to represent the national teams but luckily for teams like Juventus and AC Milan their players were fit and strong and they were able to pull off results. Juventus were able to win 2-0 thanks to a brace from the man Cristiano Ronaldo, scoring a worldie of a goal for his first one with a turn and shoot. And he seems, after coming back from that corona period, he seems to be starting to pick up pace and starting to get the train rolling. But a man who's trained being rolling is Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who continues to defy... I don't know at this point if it's the laws of time or just the laws of what we expect, the expectations we have placed on ourselves as human beings. At 39, he is leading his AC Milan team to an unbeaten season at the top of the Syria being the top scorer for the team, he scored two the other day, including a beautiful header from across from Theo Hernandez, who just instinctively came and caught it. Now, the man was written off when he came to Man United, more so when he went to Ely Galaxy. But now he's coming back to AC Milan and he's putting himself 
back that conversation and back the contentions for one of the greatest of our generation. If he pulls this off and wins a title at Milan, if he goes the extra mile and wins his first UEFA Champions League after being part of six squads that won but never winning himself, after being part of that trade between Barcelona and uh, Inter Milan where they swapped him and swapped UEFA's after all that, if he comes, wins the UEFA. For AC Milan, who had already started being written off, then he's written, I mean, he's drawn up a pretty good CV and a pretty good uh, storyline for consideration as one of the greatest because he scored, him and Cristiano are the only players who've scored a goal in every minute. He is also Sweden's top goal scorer. He is up there in the list for goals accumulated over his career. He scored his 500th with a crazy taekwondo move in the galaxy. The man is only missing two things. And if he gets them at 40, oh my God, oh my God. But that is all in the future. And there's still a lot that I haven't conversed that happened over the weekend. And before I get into the EPL, just finishing up with the cast PSG who somehow found a way to lose a 2-0 lead at halftime when Cesc Fabregas came on for Monaco and did that madness, assisting and scoring one, changing the game and winning 4-2 despite PSG getting two, uh, two goals disallowed by VAR. Now, they play in a farmer's league, so I really don't think for them dropping points really is as much a worry as it is in the EPL where we had fireworks again this weekend. I will begin by, I mean, I'll begin discussing the EPL first off with the the match of the weekend. Tottenham versus Manchester City, Pep versus Mourinho, the master attacker versus the defensive mastermind, if that makes sense. But the match lived up to expectations and then some we saw beautiful beautiful tactical football from jose Mourinho, playing a block of a block of six-man defense with his two center backs in Doherty and sissoko falling back hurricane and huming son also falling back leaving only i mean hurricane also falling back leaving only huming son and bawai to on the overlap for the counter hurricane playing as a 10 completely through Man City off. All they could do was just pass around for the whole match without any penetration because they had 88% possession and only what two shots at Hugo Lori. That was that was that was I don't know how to put it. That was a statement from Mourinho. That is it. Yes, it was a statement of intent. It was a statement of we are here. Remember, this is second season Mourinho, and in his second season at Man United, we finished second. Second season at Chelsea, he won. At Real, he won. I think with the highest goal difference in La Liga until now. At Porto, he won the treble. At Chelsea, the first time he won the league again. The second Mourinho in his second season, once he's gotten his system rolling and his players falling in line. It's something to be very afraid of. And with the squad he's got, with Gareth Bale still in the wings, still trying to get fit after not playing for, what, four years in Madrid, with Dele Alli still ostracized, but a genuine bona fide talent, 
the only thing that appears to be I mean that could be a hindrance or that could hamper his clinching the title would be an injury to Harry Kane now this more so than ever this season because this season Harry Kane has been mercurial he's been integral to Tottenham's offensive play they're the highest score no they're the second highest scorers of the league after Chelsea but Harry Kane this season is about his assists and his goals he appears to be going for Henry's 2020 record and he might just get it through having human son and Steven Bergwijn as the people he can supply and assist it's just one touch pass and they are off we saw them playing we've seen we've seen Tottenham fumble I mean it's pass no one is really worried, but we've never seen Mourinho fumble in the second season. This this could either go one of two ways. Spurs could do the Spurs thing, or Mourinho could do the Mourinho thing. Nine match days into this into the to the season, it appears to be more the latter than the former. But only time will tell. Seeing us, they still have to face Chelsea next at the Stamford Bridge. Once Mourinho's fortress, when he had Lampard captaining his team to, I think, the longest home and beaten run, now his prodigy is his opposite side, and that is going to be a tantalizing match. Seeing as Chelsea's team is finally getting some rhythm going and finally getting to fit in and their pieces are working. Their goalkeeper Eduardo Mendy has mm, lived up to the hype and taken away their glaring, their glaring, glaring hole in their team. Kepari Zabalaka is no longer <laughs> just letting shots in from God knows where. Eduardo Mendy has been scored what one goal in 600-700 minutes of, minutes of football cumulatively. That's in the league and the Champions League. They are also the highest attacking team. Ziek is getting into the team and spreading passes, played for, got what, three Man of match awards. So that Chelsea team with the strong study supplies, supplies, these are not pens. So uh, I don't get what I'm thinking of, but they have a, they have a slew of players from the academy that work as supplies and supplements to all these other players that they bought so they have no injury scares apart from maybe the goalkeeper who could be replaced by peter check they have a deep team and they don't have that one core person who the gameplay is revolving around so much so that if they were to get injured it would take away everything from them their defensive the defense is rotating they have three or four options in every position Chelsea is looking the real deal this season. So that match between Chelsea and Tottenham on Sunday was slowly shaping up to slowly shaping up to be an early, early, early title decider. Between I mean early title decider for the league. And it's also shaping up this intense December period where the league shapes up and the position starts taking place and well the position of the league now starts to matter. Still on the EPL, um, over the weekend, we saw Man United play West Bromwich Albion. Previous listeners of the podcast will know that I'm a staunch Man United fan. 
but that was the shittest performance I have ever seen. Oh my god, we were lucky to beat West Bromwich Albion. West Bromwich Al you know what? I'm not gonna start ranting. We played well over the midweek. All I'm going to say is we need to start having creativity in that midfield. We can't continue playing two defensive midfielders against teams like West Bromwich Albion. There's no point of having a double cover for defenders when the team you're playing against hasn't even won a match in the league yet. If we had Van de Beek and Bruno Fernandes playing in that match as they did in the midweek, it wouldn't have to be a weird tense 1-0 encounter. And on top of this, the minute you get Bruno and Van der Beek working in a tandem. We get Pogba playing as the six to pivot that tandem. We have a, the most creative midfield possible going. But Pogba wants to leave or run out his contract. Olegana always has to go for the conservative option. And I'm not the Man United manager. I'm just a guy who enjoys talking about sports in Langata. So all we can do is banter and hope and pray. But while still on the topic, all I have to say is Mata should not play for Manchester United again. Juan Mata, as glorious a footballer as he was in the 2010s and the early 2000s, is washed. He is done. You can see that the creativity and the ingenuity is still there, but the body is just refusing. Case in point, the match against West Brom Albion, on the first half he had, what, three chances, three balls applied to him, by Bruno Fernandes. He had made the smart run, but he just couldn't get there. The opponents knew he couldn't get there. Our, our teammates knew he couldn't get there. Even he knew he couldn't get there. He was just running, but it's not meant to be. It's time. Thank you for your services. You're a consummate gentleman, gentleman and a bona fide footballer, but Inter Miami is calling. David Beckham is building up a rehab center there. You can go play with Matuidi and Gonzalo. He should not be playing in the right for Manchester United. The fact that we're still talking about the Manchester United right wing is so infuriating considering the Sancho, but <clears throat> this is not a Manchester United rant, it's a podcast. We face we face Southampton on Sunday in the next game week. Which so, so Southampton uh Hassan Hutl has got the team playing. They started off well, they're number five, unbeaten in the past five. That only means that we're playing Fred and McTominay in the middle again. But at least Tele is playing well. He's, oh my God, he solved that left-back problem. Now we have a left-back who can actually cross and attack and not only run and hope for the easy ball. Look sure, hey, it's time to go play in Everton. But will Everton have a good left box. I don't even know where you're going to play, but not not in Man United anymore. And finally on United, Anthony Martial. If you want to be uh if you want to be a bona fide number nine, I've used bona fide so many times, but be that that's me. Well what was I talking about? Oh, Martial. Watch Cavani's movements. Watch how there's no single minute that his movement is not either to create space or to press, either to divert a defender or to create a passing option. The man is 33, but the, if you look at the two of you, your lethargic style of just standing and waiting and hoping, it can't cut it. 
when Cavani played, I mean, came on for West Brom and you had to move to the right. Now we could see you moving, we could see you dribbling, we could see the Marshall, you know. Either stick to being a number 11 or learn from the best. I love the way I'm talking so directly as if you'll even get to hear this, but manifest, manifest. <laughs> so yes, we stand 10th in the table with the game in hand. If we win that game in hand, we're only four points off the top, so I'm not really complaining considering Arsenal is 12th and Man City is 13th. And speaking of Man City, Pep signed a new contract. Well, who saw that coming? I was almost certain that he will, this would be his last season. But evidently, he's decided to really, really try for that UEFA. As I see it, Pep signing a new contract could only mean one thing. He's only signed it for, what, 2023? That could only mean, what, Messi in January? Remember, he's on his last contract with Barcelona. So for six months prior, meaning January 1st, they can start he can start negotiations with other teams. And there are reports that Man City has a 10-year plan for Messi, which includes him playing at the other clubs affiliated to the City City conglomerates, the other clubs in Australia and the New York, the one that Patrick Vieira was coach, eh, coaching, coaching. So yeah, if you ask me, let Messi stay in Barcelona. Maradona just got, the Naples Stadium is now going to be the Diego Armando Maradona Stadium. Who wouldn't want to see the Lionel Messi Stadium? But then again, watching Messi, the Brainer and Foden play in a midfield will be the stuff of dreams. Oh, God. Either way, it's a win-win for any football fan. There's, I really don't think, I think there's, a, there's too much competition in the EPL for Messi's coming to be a definite sign that Man City is winning than for many, however many more leagues they play with him because one, they need to get into the system. It's no longer a team build around training with him. It's now a team. It's a team. It's a, you know, it's it's Man City. So he needs to get used to the players, get used to the system, get used to the vibes, get used to everything else. Then and then on top of that, the, comp the competition in, the competition in, the UK is not the same compared to the competition in La Liga. La Liga has had, what, three different winners in the past 10 years. The UK has had at least four, five, at least six, because Man City, Man United, Chelsea, Leicester, Liverpool. Oh, that's it, just five. But yeah, no repeat winners apart from Man City, just back to back this past two seasons. And then adding on to that, his age, he's not the bust, the busting player down the left or down the center. He's now starting to fall further and further back into the midfield role. So I don't think he'll have as defining, as in as championship defining an impact in England as most people suspect. And I say bring it on. If he comes to Man City, then Man Ronaldo comes back to Man United on a cheaper contract, why not? But either way, it's football and as long as Messi is playing, I'm watching. Finishing up with the EPL this weekend, we'll have Man City playing Burnley, Liverpool playing Brighton, and Liverpool have shown some resiliency. I will give them that. They've shown some resiliency in 
coming, I mean, having all injuries left, right, and center all through the international break. But they were still able to field a team of Fabinho and Marti as the center back pairing. Jota, Sal, I mean, Jota, Mane, and Firmino as their forward, as the front three. And they played well. Banged that team 3 0. Diogo Jota scored a beautiful goal. And yeah. I'll give them that. It's still, it's still, of course, they they're still in that, they're still in their turbulence. They're still having their issues. They're still having their injuries. Thiago Alcantara's return is indefinite. Nabiketa picked up another knock in that game. So they're still in the turbulence. It's still raining for them. Let's see how the weather this storm. If they survive this and come out of this season with the championship. Fine, we'll we'll start. We'll elevate their status and say, okay, that was a good team. Not yet a great team. They have to win thrice for that. But yeah, to wrap up the match day, Arsenal will be playing Wolves at home. Arsenal and Arsenal, they blundered to Leeds. They're playing a Wolves team, which is actually really really good. And if I'm being quite honest, I see them losing. I see them losing again at home. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's Arsenal, man. What else do you expect to happen? But, yeah, before I finish up on with the APL and with football, just want to do a quick run-up of this last year for reverse fixtures. It was the pendulum swinging, which just means all the, all the matches are now just coming back the other way. So the... Matches played in match day four or repeated. Matches played in match day three or repeated again in match day four. Was it match day four repeated in match day three? Basically, the people who faced each other before the international break faced each other again this time. The first match they didn't pull any surprises. All the there was just repeat results apart from Man United beating Istanbul Basakshir. PSG beat Leipzig at home. Barcelona beat Kiev. But I just wanted to give props to Olivier Giroud. The man is building a catalogue of beautiful goals and beautiful moments. From his Scorpion kick to win the Puskas to that last minute header from nowhere to Bangington and sent Chelsea on to the round of 16. That's to give props a props a due. And this t- for today, props are going to you, Olivier Giroud. Props also to Brill Embolo for that. What is it? Creativity? No. Uh, we'll just go with creativity today. For the goal he scored for Motion Glashback, the overhead kick, that left foot to slide it to the side of the goalkeeper. That was a stuff of legends, and we celebrate you here on podcast. And we also just want to send condolences to Marseille. Suffered their 13th straight defeat in the UEFA group stages. One even wonders why they try to qualify. Musijali, that's why Hilly for Erez or Erez, man. And also finally, just want to send shout outs to Atalanta. Banged Liverpool at home uh, uh, yesterday. I really wish they had banged them in the league so that they can stop talking talking about that home record. But be that as it may, at least you took points off of them. The next match day uh, proves will look a bit. It it would prove to be defining for some teams qualifying. 
as I don't like mentioned, there are teams that are already qualified by virtue, mathematically qualified. Bayern, Man City, and Barcelona, who are on 100%, they've qualified. Sevilla and Chelsea, they both qualified, both have 10 points. The other teams in their groups have 1 1 points, which means we'll have a new Europa League winner this season. Barcelona and Juve, they have both damn near qualified. In our group, we have Man United with 9, PSG with 6, Leipzig with 6, Istanbul with 3. We face Leipzig next. Yes, we face Leipzig next. If we win that match, we just get a point we've qualified. We need to get the qualification before we face PSG because PSG and Leipzig might still be tied and they might need that win to qualify. I really hope they don't let it be till the last day and we have to win and hope for results to get there. And I also hope that Basakshir give us a result by beating PSG, but that seems highly unlikely. The same situation presents itself for the group with Liverpool, Ajax, Atlanta and Magicland. However, Magicland has no points, so that really is not as tight. But the tight group and the group to watch is Group B, where we have Moshe Glashburg at the lead with eight. Real Madrid with seven after beating Inter Milan at home. Shakhtar Donetsk with four after being battered yesterday. And Inter Milan with two after getting no wins in the group this season. Inter Milan are basically... They need to beat what Shakhtar and Moshe Glashback to get eight points and hope that Moshe Glashback drop lose both games but that's still not possible because our goal difference is 10 points. They don't seem to be qualifying. So it's between Real Madrid and Moshe Glashberg, which is also not that tight because it's a difference. There are three-point difference between them. It appears this group will send Moshe Glashberg and Real Madrid. And if I were a betting man, I really would not have guessed it. That's that on football. Now I'd just like to quickly turn my sights onto basketball. The draft... It's finally over. Melo Ball came in third to the Hornets for... I mean, Hornets owned by Michael Jordan. But I really don't know much about the draft because these are what college players that I don't get to follow being all the way in Kenya. But now the fun part started when the free agency was opened. The free agency was opened two, three, four days ago. I don't have the dates with me. And this year's class of free agency was led by Anthony Davis, the newly crowned champion uh, from the Los Angeles Lakers. He is expecting a max contract, but he's still unsigned. The reports that his, him signing his contract is dependent on a Lakers move for for Yanis Atentokounmpo, which, if would happen, would just would finish everything that would be the end of any debate as to who would okay not any not the end necessarily but it would really tip the scales to any debate as to who will win the next championship this is because the lakers in this free agency have secured the services of last year's six man first of all they resigned Kentavious Cladwell Pope they let go of Dwight Howard, who signed with the 76ers hours after saying he's coming back to LA. 
he joins Doc Rivers, Joel Embiid, and Ben Simmons to form a formidable team there. Uh, Rajan Rondo signed the Atlanta Hawks to play, I think, with Trey Young, if I'm not wrong. And I think Javel McGee is still uns- is still an unsigned free agent. Every Bradley signed for the Heats. Uh, this guy signed for the Rockets. Damarcus Cousins signed for the Rockets. So clearly, the Lakers cleared off a lot of space. And fin- I think I've already mentioned Jared Dudley. But yeah, so once the Lakers cleared off all that space, they went for Montreal Harris, the sixth man of the year from the Clippers. Then they boxed that up, Dennis Schroeder, the second place for sixth man of the year last year. They solidified their center, bringing in Mark Gasol making the brother to Paul Gasol, both world champions. He's a world champion with the Raptors. Paul was a world champion with Kobe. They have brought in... Who am I forgetting to mention? I'll mention Montreal Harrell. They signed KCP. They re-signed KCP. They brought in Montreal Harrell. They brought in Dennis Schroeder. So they've really solidified the bench. Markif Morris is staying. Uh, if AD stays, LeBron stays... And they get a point guard. Get a point guard, they'll be good. If they get Yanis, they will not need a point guard because it's over. You can't have LeBron, AD, and Yanis. Play- LeBron playing as points and AD and Yanis playing as the backcourt. This it's it's over. It's a wrap. But uh, shifting focus to other movements in this free agency, Brandon Ingram got his max contract. Pascal Siakam got his max contract. This guy from the Celtics also got his max contract. His name is escaping me right now. But sticking with the Celtics, Gordon Hayward said, peace, I'm out. But since his days in Indiana, he hasn't really, he hasn't really done much for the Celtics despite getting a max contract two years ago. But this makes him the second player on a max contract to leave on free agency after Kyrie Irving. Begging the question, what is going on with the Celtics organization? And is Jason Tatum, that's his name, is Jason Tatum going to be the next to leave after two years? But back to Brandon Ingram, the Pelicans got Steven Adams, so now they have a team of Steven Adams, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and Zion Williamson. That's a formidable team. And that coach is now Steph Van Gandhi, a champion, brother to Pat Van Gandhi, beef coach and with a beef talent, he should be able to lead the team to be competitive next season. Moving on with the, with the free agency, Saji Baka, Mark Gasol, all left Toronto. Ibaka uh, went to the Clippers, if I am not wrong. Bob Dan, Bob, Bob, that name, that's really huge, 7-1 guy. He signed. He also signed a four-year deal, but as free agency goes on, and as we wait to see where Russ Westbrook and James Harden land, given that they've both requested trades from the Rockets, it's the season is starting to take shape. Season starts in December twenty-second, so we expect them to go into training anytime soon. It appears that the contest this season will be the Lakers against the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets have a team of Kyrie Irving, K- 
Kevin Durant, coached by Steve Nash, and Amaya Stoudemire, who played really well when they were players for the Phoenix Suns. Steve Nash is an elite point guard, a stupefyingly good one. So if you could teach Kyrie Irving how to facilitate one of the greatest scorers we've ever seen, they, that team is tearing up the East. No ifs or buts about it. Yes, CP3 is now going to play with Devin Booker, making a formidable team with the Phoenix Suns, because that team was already looking good in the bubble. They went through it for all in the playoffs, which goes unstated. But given what CP3 was able to do with that OKC team that has since been dismantled for all the peaks of the decade, I, I don't underestimate what he would be able to do with with Devin Booker and the Suns this coming season. So, yes, this season, those are the two teams to watch. I don't think the Clippers will pose as much competition as they would like to believe that they could. They... They still have their discord between them and Paul George. They haven't made any moves. In fact, they lost one of their co-players with their sixth man of the year. So this next season, it's going to be it's going to be a, a fun one to watch. It's an abbreviated one, seventy two games, no All Star weekend. So it's just straight action all the way through to June, to allow the players to represent Team USA in the Olympics in Tokyo if they are to be held next year. That's that on basketball. Moving on swiftly as a wrap up to mis- other miscellaneous sports news. Let me let us Hamilton officially won his ninth fourth. Uh, race pushing the record and pushing that envelope ever so slightly further with that win he also officially won his seventh title equaling the greats record he was also announced it was also announced by the queen of england that at the next ceremonies which i think will be for the new years he will be knighted as sir lewis hamilton He's already an MBE or an OB. I'm not sure which of the BEs he has. But we just want to continue celebrating this black man in a white-dominated sport showing no one is truly limited. That if you set your mind to it, you can defy the undefiable and surmount the insurmountable. Uh, turning to golf, the Masters happened to no crowd this uh, two weekends ago. Dustin Johnson won finally after a trying for a really, really long time. Tiger Woods had the shit tournament being ruled out by day one. He ever said he will turn up for the Father Son tournament in December, which is also one to watch because he's been really touting his son's game. And for Tiger Woods to say, oh, this guy can play, then yo, maybe it is worth watching the guy who can play. This will be the PNC Championship, which will be the last of the PGA Tours this calendar year. Turning to tennis, uh, the ATP Finals were this past weekend. Uh, Medvedev won in the finals against Thiem. They had both respectively beaten Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic to wrap up I think ATP tournaments for this year, if not wrap up to bring them to a, to a halt. With the Australia Open touted to be starting two or three weeks later than scheduled, the, the Djokovic and Nadal and Federer 
will be well, I mean it will be worth watching them next year because they're coming the, more so Nadal and Federer are coming to the toilet of their careers and they still have records and all those achievements that are just in the class but just within reach of course Federer still has the most titles Nadal is behind him by one, I think, or he equaled it to the Roland Garros win. I'm not quite sure. But Djokovic is four behind. And Djokovic is coming quick. So Federer and Nadal need to put up a few more, a few more trophies in the cabinet to ensure some aspects of their some aspects of their legacy are solidified. Looking forward to this coming weekend, we have Mike Tyson coming, returning to the ring at the age of 53, looking yoked, yo, that is a machine, that is man built just to knock heads off, he's returning into a fight with Roy Jones Jr. over this weekend, the fight I think will be held in Vegas with no crowd or a limited crowd, but this is not the fight people are looking for, waiting to see. We are all going to see Mike Tyson versus Evander Holyfield, part three. We want to see that trilogy ending because he lost the first one, then beat his eh, beat his ear off in the second one. So we there's still some question marks. There's still some unresolved certainties. I mean, some unresolved uncertainties around whether Mike Tyson could beat Evander Holyfield. But that's not what we're getting. We get Ray Jones Jr. this weekend. Be sure to catch that to see the greats. Most of most of us, by us, I mean most twenty-year-olds, never got to watch him fight uh, during his prime time. So this is this is a chance to grab at a piece ever so slightly of history. There are also league matches this weekend. Some UFO, some football. Real Sociedad is at the top of La Liga, so we'll see how battle fair on over this next few match days. But yeah, that's what to look forward to this week. As a wrap up, I'd just like to wrap up with uh, talking about the best FIFA awards. The final nominees were revealed, and I think. From that nominee list and from any stretch of the imagination this year, the best football player has been one Robert Lewandowski. Just scored his 71st goal in UEFA last yesterday, the day before. I know he beat Raul's record. Yes, Ronaldo is 40 goals ahead, but Lewandowski is way on his way. It's also important to know that Brad Haaland just scored 16 after playing I don't know, eight matches in the UEFA. This is despite that being Ronaldo Nazario's phenomenal total tally his whole career. That boy will just break, shatter everything that we know about numbers and Messi and Ronaldo. And what we know is already hard to believe in the first place. But yes, men's award clearly should go to Lewandowski. No hate to Messi or Ronaldo or Sadio Mane. Lewandowski just won it all this year. The Puskas Awards were also announced, the finalists. My vote goes to Luis Suarez's goal. 
against was it Sevier or something that was red and white. That team movement for Frankie Dayon to lob the ball to him and then the man just back heels it while facing the opposite direction. My God. I know there are a bunch of long ranges and long shots and the usual overhead kick like and I mean sorry, the usual overhead kick like Lionel Quinones I can't pronounce the name. He he rose up playing in the Syria in Ecuador. He got up and caught that ball. Yes, you're fine. We'll always see that. But how often do we see intricate simply like that that ends with such a worldie? Honestly speaking, Luis Suarez deserves it. Although Hyung Min Son's dribble against Burnley could also have a shout. That was also that was also the staff of legends. But if fair is fair, Luis Suarez deserves and should be awarded this. Ibrahimovic has one, Neymar has one, Cristiano Ronaldo has one, Messi has one. It's about time he gets his. But as I always say, all I can do is banter and go and and on and on and belabor on these points and enjoy myself talking about sports. I have been G. This has been Sportcast. Join us next time when you just need a slight break from the vagaries of life and the ups of da- ups and downs of existing. Till then, I have been years. Peace, I'm out.